Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. That's such a good jam. Such a good jam. That gets me pumped. Hope it gets you guys pumped as well. I shaved. You guys can see that. You know what I used to shave? I used the Manscaped lawnmower. That's over there, somewhere on the other side of my room. I also took care of uh, these areas right here. Cheeks. Lower down here on the neck. Lower neck. That's with the uh, handyman. Promo code there is Ethos20. If you want to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Again, that's Ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping. Figured this was a good way to do a promo because I look um, presentable again. Look at that guy. He looks okay. (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, Good Friday to you all. This is our week in review and weekend look ahead edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Baspris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S at Dan Baspris over on social media. We've got all sorts of stuff flying around on Twitter these days. News breaks and threads and end of night recaps and look aheads and buy low targets I hope that you guys will find me over there. Anybody that is in the chat room on YouTube, feel free to throw some questions in there. And if anybody's like, is Dan really worth checking out on social media? I hope that you guys will then also pop in and say, yeah, he's extremely active, probably to a disgusting level, an unhealthy one, perhaps. And that's why you guys need to find me over there. I'm also going to throw the Discord link into the live chat. I did... I did officially get it into the description of the show, so you guys can find it there as well if you guys want to pop on over into the free side of the Discord. If you have any of our premium stuff, let a mod know in Discord, and they'll open up different rooms for you to uh, check that out. Today's show, we're going to be... It's the first Friday show of the year, which is cool. Those that have been watching or listening to Fantasy NBA Today for the last couple of seasons know that we have a way that we do our Friday shows. We have the ads. We have... The drops, we have the holds, we have the watch list guys, we have some injury replacement level players, we have some buy lows, we have some sell highs, we go through basically every big storyline of the week, and I put all of this out on Twitter, but I do think it's important for you guys to come hang out with us on the show, because we can provide a little bit of color commentary to why certain names are where they are. The lists are very uh, incomplete in that, like, you can put someone in an ads list, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Why are they there? What formats do they make sense for? All that kind of stuff. That's what we'll get into here on today's show. So let's throw this thing up on the board. Uh, those that are listening live, don't worry. I'm going to read every name on it. Those that are watching with us, this is... Um, I couldn't fit all of the names in each section on each page that you guys are going to see, so just remember... That we're kind of, we'll go through it piece by piece here. I went Microsoft Word with the presentation today just because it was going to save me about 20 minutes of throwing stuff into a sheet. Uh, But it gets the job done. Okay? Okay. I think I can make my face a little bit bigger and you guys can still see the words. If anybody in the chat room says, no, the words are too small now, let me know and I'll uh, try to move the faces and places around and, and then you'll be able to see it a little bit better. Let's start with the ads, and we'll just go through. This is in no particular order. I was just looking at at the recent game played for every single team. It's almost like reverse chronological, the way I was going backwards through games that had happened more recently, you know, all the way back Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever. Uh, the first name is Kelly Oubre Jr., who's on the ads board. But again, this is why the show provides a, a certain measure of context that the Twitter feed does not. Kelly Oubre Jr., had a really big ball game yesterday. 27 points. Four rebounds, a steal, and five three-pointers. But he did it on a ridiculous nine out of 11 shooting from the field and four for four at the free throw line. Those numbers are not sustainable numbers for Ubre, who is a low to mid-40s guy from the field and actually not a very good foul shooter in general or at least not a positive impact one. So you could make two arguments about Kelly. The first one, the negative one, is he's not going to get 32 and a half minutes a game every day because games where he's not this hot, DeAnthony Melton's going to take those minutes. PJ Tucker's going to take some of those minutes. You might even see the team go bigger or smaller. More Patrick Beverly, more Paul Reed. Don't worry, we'll get to him in a minute. The guys that are locked in on this team are Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, and Tobias Harris. Those are the ones you don't really have to worry about. Melton is like a partial lock in. 
Uh, shot just wasn't really falling for him yesterday, and he was having a little bit of trouble with Dame, so uh, Philly went to the hot hand. And then you could also argue that Oubre's not going to hit that volume or that percentage of shots, and, and both of these, I think, are accurate assessments. But the thing is, right now, with no James Harden, they need some more scoring. And that bench punch that Kelly provided yesterday was critical. So I'm not all that surprised that he came in and got double-digit shots. I think that's actually something that you might see from him as long as no trade happens. Because once something happens with Harden, whether he plays for them at half speed or gets traded for someone else who will play at full speed, Oubre won't likely be on this list anymore. And so you could kind of call him a James Harden fill-in to some degree. But this level of minutes and the opportunity that he's been provided makes him a semi-ad. He's not my most exciting one on this list, but he does, I think, believe belong there, at least for now. Name number two is Jalen Johnson, who um, just had himself a wonderful game on Wednesday. Played 29 and a half minutes off the bench, 21 points, seven boards, two assists, two steals, a block, a three-pointer. Missed his free throws, or it would have been one of the best lines of the damn night. Uh, made his shots, shot 69% in that ball game. Again, it's not going to be this good every time. Um, you had a lackluster performance from DeJounte Murray. DeAndre Hunter fouled out in his 31 minutes. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I don't think that he's a real threat, but Sadiq Bey played 29 minutes. That's a number that could inch up a little bit. I think as we go into the next ball game for Johnson, which I believe is coming up later on tonight, I would expect more like 24 minutes for him as opposed to 29 or 30. But we got a glimpse of the upside here. If a guy like Hunter fouls out, if maybe DeJounte Murray's having a terrible ball game, if Sadiq Bey has a terrible ball game, which, by the way, didn't happen, if he's awful, you'll see more Jalen Johnson. So there are these ways that he can sort of squeeze out an extra three, four minutes over the likely, I believe, 23, 24, 25 is probably the target they have for him. But you got to like the steals, you got to like the blocks, you got to like the rebounds, you got to like the field goal percent. A lot of that stuff is repeatable for Johnson. So when he does come out, and possibly even as early as tonight, have a stinker, don't abandon ship that fast. Because we've now seen the upside, and it's good. So he's an ad. Delon Wright is my next ad. One of my favorite ads, frankly. I know that he only had 25, 26 minutes, but I don't care because that's more than enough for him. He was top 70 last year in 24 and a half minutes. 25 or 26 is, frankly, just freaking gravy. He's on a bad team that doesn't play any defense. He's going to be out there hustling for steals, distributing because he has all these guys on his club that want to shoot. Kuzma wants to shoot. Jordan Poole wants to shoot. Corey Kispert off the bench wants to shoot. He's got all these guys that want to get shots up. Daniel uh, Danilo Gallinari. And he's a guy that can just go get him the ball. Very good rebounding point guard as well. No, he's not going to score very much. I don't care about that. The reason we like DeLon Wright is because he is hyper elite in steals. He's a very good uh, rebounding point guard. Pretty good at assists. And he doesn't need a ton of minutes to get there. So even if the minutes fluctuate between 20 and 29... That's fine. There's already a question in the chat room about my thoughts on Kelly Oubre. I just said my thoughts on Kelly Oubre. I need you guys to be paying close attention to, he's probably a James Harden replacement. And when Harden gets traded, I'll say it again, when Harden gets traded, he's probably a drop. And there's no, and, and I also said that in the next ball game, when he shoots three for 12, it's going to be harder on you. But they need his punch right now, and so that's why I think he belongs on rosters in the short term. I don't know what was so complicated about that. Emmanuel Quickly, next one on the ads board, who's another guy that could fall off. He played 28 minutes, was extremely efficient, made 7 out of 11 shots in their season opener for 24 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, a steal, and 5 three-pointers. I just believe that he's better than a lot of the guys on the Knicks, and I do, despite the fact that he didn't get his contract extended, I think he's one of those situations where the cream is going to rise to the top because, in my eyes, he's going to provide better things for the Knicks than Dante DiVincenzo or Quentin Grimes, who I know they like, but I think Quickly's better. Uh, if he was taller, I'd say he gets in there over R.J. Barrett, but he's not because Barrett's a bigger dude and, and they need more size. 
But I think you can expect quickly to get between 25 and 29 minutes per game based on what we saw in game one. He's going to be out there and he's going to be gunning and facilitating with a lot of that second unit stuff. And so I think he belongs on rosters. Don't worry, there are Knicks that are on the other side of this equation that we'll get into in a minute. Isaiah Stewart is the next name on the board. He had a really nice first ball game for Detroit with 14 points, 14 boards, two three-pointers, and a couple of assists. Generally, he's not a big defensive stats guy, but 35 minutes, he'll get a steal or a block most of the time. In 35 minutes, I should say. But more than anything, I thought the 35 minutes was the really good piece of news in this game. The team was just better when he was out there as a big dude who now has learned how to space the floor. Kind of happened mid to late last season. So he can play alongside Jalen Duran as the non-floor spacing, defensive-minded big. And if Stewart can provide a little bit of offense, that's what keeps him on the floor over someone like Marvin Bagley, who can't really defend, uh, is probably a little bit better on offense And there will be days where Stewart gets more like 28 minutes if Bagley's playing really well. He might get 20-21, something like that. But what I saw out of Isaiah Stewart in Game 1 was, in my mind, enough to get him onto rosters, just to kind of see how this thing shakes out. Uh, By the way, I didn't put Azar Thompson anywhere on any of these lists uh, because I figure he's drafted and he's just sitting there, and I don't think anybody's going to punt after one ballgame, so that's why I skipped over certain guys. And if that's your thing... uh, Like, if you're going to be, hey, Dan, why didn't you talk about this guy? I can't talk about the whole goddamn NBA today, so just hang with me here. Max Struess is the next name on the ads board, and I know for YouTubers, he's the last name on this page, but fear not, there are actually more names out there. And I know what you're all going to say, and you're right about all of them. Is he going to average 27 points? Of course not. Is he going to average 12 rebounds and seven three-pointers? Of course not. Could he get you a steal every ballgame? Yeah. Will he get you a block? Probably not. But is he going to play 30 minutes plus? It sure as heck looks like it. And this has always been the thing. Max Struess was a guy, I don't know if you guys remember this, but a couple years ago, he was a guy that I think, I'm trying to remember what, I, I believe it was the um, the cheap free agents board that Aaron Bruski put together. Not a fantasy list. Brew does this in the offseason every year where uh, he puts together the the cash-to-value rankings for NBA teams looking at free agents. And Struess was a guy that Bruce was... Uh, maybe it wasn't this list. Maybe it was just like the the deep sleepers. This was a guy that Brew was like, keep an eye on basically forever. Because his fantasy game is better than people realize. And now we're getting a chance to see it. I picked him up every single place I could. Because knowing full well that this is one of the best games he'll have all year, I don't care about that. Because the Cavs want to have a little bit more offense this season. They won games last year largely with defense. Jared Allen's not in there right now, but I'm not worried about that because that mostly helped Isaac Okoro in their game on Wednesday. Struess, I think, is basically just going to be there. He's the starting small forward on this team probably all season long. Yes, Jared Allen squeezes the minutes for everybody because Evan Mobley got his minutes at center and more of his will come at power forward. So that pushes Okoro down and whatever he gets would be split between power forward and small forward. And Karis LeVert, if he was getting small forward minutes, some of those might have to push down towards shooting guard. And there's this trickle-down effect. So, yeah, that's why I don't think Max Struess is going to play 39 damn minutes a ball game, But 30-plus does feel like the target for him. And the fact that he was comfortable just jacking away, great. I can think he could be like a poor man's Clay Thompson. Better rebounder, frankly, than Clay. So I see absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be universally rostered after seeing the way Cavs want to use him. And just accept that there are going to be days where he's cold. His minutes are probably lower on those days. But overall, he's probably going to be their starter full-time. And you want starters who can nail threes at a good clip like that. Cam Thomas is the next name on the ads board, and he, like Kelly Oubre, comes with sort of the disclaimer of dude played 25 minutes, took 21 shots at a usage rate of 45, and an unsustainably high everything in game one. Cam Thomas is going to be your ultimate boom or bust play, basically as long as you've got him on your roster. I didn't pick him up anywhere because that's too freaking nerve-wracking for me. I can't handle the boom or bust guys. If you can, have at it. Because he's going to be hot for two or three games in a row. He's going to score 90 points over those two or three games. And then he's going to go a week where he scores seven points, has like a negative 45 
point differential and doesn't see the court in two out of the three of them. Be ready for that because it will happen. Cam Thomas is a guy who gets playing time when he's hot. A little bit like the Kelly Oubre thing, although I think Oubre's minutes are probably a little more safe than Cam Thomas. But be aware, that's what you're getting into. And I'd even put the words buyer beware on the screen for those that are watching with us right now. Herb Jones is the next name on the ads board. He's more of a specialist. He had a better game uh, in the first one, played 38 minutes to lead the Pelicans in that category. Um, 13 points is probably a safe target for him, maybe even a little bit on the high side. Eight rebounds is way more than he's going to get most nights. Three assists is probably more than he's going to get most nights. Two defensive stats, you're probably looking for about two, two and a half of those and a three-pointer or two. And if you get that, you're probably getting what you were looking for with him. And if you don't need that stuff, then you can move on. But I think a lot of teams probably do. Xavier Tillman is on the ads board. Um, yes, I know he was someone that should have been added as soon as folks heard that Steven Adams was down because Tillman was a top 100 play when Adams was hurt late last year. And the Grizzlies opened up in a perfect scenario for Tillman because they had Jonas Valanciunas and Zion Williamson as the front court in game one. They have Nikola Jokic as the front court in game two. So they really have no choice but to play a whole bunch of Tillman against gigantic dudes that no one else on the team can handle with Steven Adams down. And Santi Aldama still down. Not that he could handle those big dudes either, but it's Tillman or bust for the Grizzlies right now. So uh, just get on board. Derek Lively the second is also on the ads board. No, I don't think he's going to be able to keep up the pace he kept up in game one. He shot seven of eight from the field, uh, 16 points, 10 rebounds, a steal and a block. He only missed one of his three free throws. But you have to like uh, basically starters minutes. I think he started the second half and not the first, if memory serves, on that Wednesday game. 16 points is way more than he's going to have most ball games. 10 rebounds is, I would guess, more than he has. But if you can get like 10 points, 8 boards, a steal, and a block out of him, that gets him around that top 100 range. And for a guy that you're probably picking up off the wire, with upside beyond that, if they start to trust him day in and day out without many minute fluctuations, then that becomes a, a pretty damn good reason to, to take a shot on it. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And the final dude on the ads board is Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. He was drafted in a lot of spots, but we'll call him an ad uh, because there were leagues where he wasn't. And this is a little bit of a gray area between our ads table and our holds table on today's show. Some of the holds are guys that maybe should have been added. Uh, again, you know, we're doing this for 12-team intermediate leagues. If you're in an expert league, the holds guys are most definitely on your team. If you're in an expert league, some of these ads were probably on teams coming out of the draft. If you're in more of a novice league, the holds guys probably are on the waiver wire. Make the adjustment to your league. I'm doing the best I can, is what I'm saying here. But KCP is the last ad. Uh, threes, steals, and probably a safer floor than last year because there's no Herb Jones in Denver right now. Um, the thing about KCP I want you guys to also remember that we talked about at great length last season was that he's actually better when Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are both healthy because he gets open off of their action. When key guys went down for Denver, it actually made KCP's numbers go down too because he just wasn't as open anymore. He was less likely to take shots because he doesn't shoot unless he's wide open. 
And if he's not wide open, that means he's not going to shoot. Let's get to the holds board next, and we'll try to keep the pace up here. Um, I think the ads were the most important, so we did spend a little more time on those guys. Sadiq Bey, I put in the holds board. I don't know. He could have been an ad. Either way, he had a really good first game. I don't even know why he's on this list because he played pretty well. And, I mean, put him in the ads if he's in a league where he's a free agent for you. Um, Onyeko Okongwu had a bad first ball game, and I'm, I'm inclined to remind everybody that Okongwu is a 100 to 125 range guy when Capella's healthy. That's the way it was last year. He played about 20 minutes a game when Capella was healthy last year. That's basically what he got in Atlanta's season opener. Had some foul issues, so it, maybe if he's playing better, you see that push up towards 22 or 23. But the big stuff for Okongwu didn't happen until Capella started missing ball games, And that, even last year, didn't happen until a few weeks into the season after the wear and tear started to kick in. So hang with it. If you're in a league where he gets dropped because someone's like, this dude's only playing 19 and a half minutes, scoop him up. Because you know good stuff is around the corner. Daniel Gafford, also a hold. Wizards got blown out, or he would have probably seen a little bit more playing time. I expect him to be between 25 and 29 minutes a game. Maybe you get into the 30s on really good nights. I actually thought Gafford looked pretty damn spry at the beginning of Washington's game. Uh, but also, like the other guys in the club, are not going to be looking to involve him regularly. So just kind of know what you're getting into there. Uh, but he'll be much better than he was in game one. I put Buddy Heald in the holds department. He was a guy I did not draft anywhere, knowing he was coming off the bench, knowing he and the Pacers could not come to an extension on a contract, and so he's technically on the trade block. And that was just too much unknown for me on Heald to draft him, thinking, well, like, do they care enough to play this guy? He'll have okay numbers. I think he'll be top 100, top 90-ish uh, while he's coming off the bench. It's not going to be the top 50, 60 range stuff you got as a starter last year, but he is definitely a hold, so stick with it there. Mitchell Robinson is a hold. Um, Tom Thibodeau just liked what Isaiah Hartenstein was doing in Game 1. Most days, I think you'll see more Mitch Rob than Hart, but this is something to keep an eye on, and you'll notice later in the show we'll talk about Hartenstein as a watch list guy. Slow-mo. Kyle Anderson is the next name on the holds board. I don't know that he needed to be put on here, uh, because he played 30 minutes off the bench. 30 minutes is more than enough. He was also a plus 15 for the Timberwolves in a game they lost by three. You need a reason to keep playing him. That's the reason why. Slow-mo is not going to score a bunch, but he got nine boards, five assists, and a steal, and that's the stuff you're looking for with him, and he did it. So don't panic on slow-mo. He did exactly what we were looking for. Hang on tight. Four more holds. Mike Conley, I put on the holds board. I, I, again, I don't know that he needed to be there because he played 31 minutes as a starting point guard. His team could not throw a stone in the damn ocean. If they could, he probably would have had five, six, seven assists instead of three. That's going to be his role, is to get the ball to a guy who's going to shoot it, and hopefully it goes in. But Anthony Edwards didn't make anything, and Cat didn't make anything in their season opener in Toronto. And I can basically bet everything I own that a day where Ant and Cat shoot the ball well, it's going to be a day where Conley has six-plus assists. Duh. Ben Simmons is a hold. I know he didn't play that many minutes in their first ball game um, at 23. I think that slowly ramps up as he gets his sea legs underneath him. Um, four points, ten boards, nine assists, and a block, though. I don't think anybody's dropping him after a pretty good first ball game, so stick with it there. Kobe White is a hold for me, although I will admit I don't fully trust his numbers in 9-cat because he's never been a steals or blocks guy, and he's been a poor field goal percent guy. So can he do enough in scoring, assists, and free throw percent positives to make up for the negatives? I think the jury's out on that after game one, but I do think that it's worth giving a little bit more time. Andrew Wiggins is a hold. No one's dropping Andrew Wiggins because they probably drafted him in the 90s. I didn't draft him. I've talked to the, you guys about this before. I don't like drafting wings that stink at free throw shooting. It hurts the categories that I'm typically trying to attack, so I have him nowhere. But if I'm going to put myself in your shoes, if you have Andrew Wiggins, you hang on because you know he's he's got top 60 upside, which I don't think he gets to this year. But he's typically a top 90, top 100 floor guy, and so he'll be much better in game two. Or if he's not, game three and so on and so forth. 
Let's get into the uh, category I've described as I'm scared or nervous here or droppable players. And I, I, the reason I titled it this way, as I once again remind everybody to please take a second to click the like button, subscribe, whether it's YouTube, Podside, whatever it is that you can do. Maybe you could drop a five-star review. That'd be super swell. And also find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris. I need to see you all over there. It's very important so I can communicate things to you throughout the day. But the reason I called this category, I'm scared or nervous here, or drops, is that I didn't want people to see this list and think, Dan's telling me to drop all these guys immediately. Because I'm not. I'm not. Uh, because each one of these names has sort of a different scenario at play. And your team is going to play a role in whether these guys need to be dropped or not. So let's start going through them, and I'll give a little bit more context. First name on the list is Paul Reed, who played exclusively backup center minutes behind Joel Embiid yesterday. And that meant only 11 and a half minutes, which, as good as his fantasy stat set is, 11 and a half minutes ain't going to be enough. If you need that roster spot, you can drop him. If you're in a Roto League, where the roster slots are not as critical, and let's say you were able to drop other guys to pick up some of our ads that we talked about earlier on this show, like a Jalen Johnson or a DeLon Wright or Max Struess or whatever, then give him another game or two, because it's not going to kill you in that format. But if holding on to Paul Reed is going to cost you a win in a head-to-head week, then I get it. Same story for Christian Wood, who actually looked much better in Game 2 for the Lakers and got 20-plus minutes, which unfortunately isn't really going to be enough for him We've seen it over the years. He needs basically starters minutes to get inside the top 100 because of free throw issues more than anything else. And I just don't think he's going to get there with the Lakers. They have too many options, too much mix and match you can do on that team with guys like Jared Vanderbilt when he gets back. Rui Hachimura, if you want more scoring. Anthony Davis at the five is generally the best thing for them. Uh, It's nice to have the length of Christian Wood and the ability to space the floor. Uh, But he does have his issues you know, sliding to guard smaller players. So that's when you'd see Anthony Davis back in there. So I I just think that matchups are going to be so critical with the Christian Wood stuff. And because of that, you can't get cute and try to guess which day is going to be a good one. And head-to-head side, it's probably not going to be good enough every day for you to just compile stats. And the Roto side, if you're not guessing what's the point, probably can move on. Obi Toppin. Played 19 minutes in a blowout win. I'd like to see what he does in game two. I don't want to drop him yet. But if it looks the same in the second ball game, I might. Josh Hart. I'd like to try to give him a whole week. That would be my inclination here because the Knicks loved what he brought late last season. But 22, 23 minutes ain't enough. He's a uh, he's a boring to call him that. But I, I say that of course, lovingly for the Dan Vespers old man squad, is all quite boring. Josh Hart is a boring because he doesn't score that much, but he rebounds like a maniac, like an MFer. Uh, he can pass. He'll knock down some threes. He gets steals, does it on okay percentages. Like all that stuff is the stuff that my teams tend to target, but guys like that need to be on the court. It's not a quick rack em up fantasy stat set kind of guy. He doesn't get three steals in 15 minutes. He needs to be out there for 30 to get his one and change steals. He needs to be out there for 30 minutes to get his six-plus rebounds from a guard spot. All that stuff requires playing time, which for Josh Hart wasn't there in game one. But I want to watch game two and game three, see if that shifts in any meaningful way or if it really is just going to be a share fest between Hart and Quinton Grimes and Dante DiVincenzo and sometimes Emmanuel Quickly and all these guys now that the Knicks got a little bit deeper. Gary Trent, I was not super high on this year. You know, the fact that the Raptors don't seem all that interested in bringing him back, like they haven't done anything contractually. Um, We saw last year, once Pirtle arrived, Trent's job got squeezed. Pirtle's still there. Dennis Schroeder is the starter. They've run uh, more Precious Achua stuff. But at the same time, Trent is a shooter. Shooter's going to shoot. So if he's out there for 25, 26 minutes, which is basically what we saw in game one, he's not dead in the water. So he's another guy like Josh Hart I'd like to try to give a week to. I put Kyle Lowry on this list because I think it's absolutely hilarious. I had to talk about Kyle Lowry. He played, what did we say, 32 minutes and he did nothing. He got himself a Tony Snell award. Yes, you can obviously drop Kyle Lowry. He is aged 
and the Heat need a point guard so badly if they want to compete this year. Taylor Norton Tucker is the next name on this board uh, on the I'm Scared list. He's actually the last name on the I'm Scared list. And then we'll move on to the next category. Uh, you can give him one more. You made it all the way to today, and Utah plays today. So let's just see how it goes. He was very much a last-round flash kind of draft pick. Could he carry over the preseason stuff? I didn't think so, but I took him in a couple spots. I still don't think so. And if he continues to don't think so for another day or two, then uh, I think we can punt at that point. Here's the watch list. These are guys that I think you can probably get away with staring at a little bit longer with one very obvious exception that I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at in the YouTube chat room about. And we'll get there in a minute. The watch list is Josh Okogie, who it does feel like is doing more because the Suns are missing a bunch of guys. Gordon Hayward. Um, could get himself onto the ads board if he looks good the next game. You know, he was okay in game one, but I don't think he was an immediate ad. Andrew Nemhard is on my watch list. I don't think he's going to have enough to do when the game is not a blowout. Al Horford, because how could I not have him on my watch list? And 26 minutes is not that far off from where he could get to to have fantasy value, so don't write him off completely. Isaiah Hartenstein uh, played more minutes than Mitchell Robinson in Game 1. If that somehow continues, Hartenstein can roll fantasy value in about 23-24 minutes of ballgame historically. And we did hear that last year he was playing with foot stuff, basically the whole year. If he's somehow healthy now, and like legitimately healthy, he could end up taking over a little bit. Cole Anthony's on my watch list. I think that's one of the ones you guys are going to yell at me about. But I, like we've seen this thing a lot with Cole where he alternates good and bad ball games with Jalen Suggs his good games are fantasy decent but he doesn't do much in the threes steals or blocks department is usually kind of hurt you in field goal I just I can't get over the hump with him in nine cat points leagues he should be rostered that's a sort of a different discussion Kevin Love is on my watch list I did not see him playing high 20s in minutes in game one I will be Lord, if he does it again, but we can't just write him off, so that's why he's on the watch board. Grant Williams, 35 minutes. If that's a thing that sticks, you kind of have to do something with it because he is also uh, a boring. He is one boring. But if he plays giant minutes on a team with Luka and Kyrie, he's going to have four to five wide open looks from the corner every ball game, And historically, he's going to make close to 50% of those damn shots. So two plus threes a game, 10 plus scoring, four to six rebounds a night. He usually gets a steal or a block on good percentages, and that's the key there, the good percentages, and he's inside the top 100. I don't know what to tell you guys. I know it's not exciting, but he's on the watch list in case he does it again. Malcolm Brogdon also on the watch list. He had a really good first ball game for Portland, and frankly, if he actually gets a consistent 24-plus minutes, then he probably belongs on rosters. And finally, one that I'm fully aware I struggle with more than most is Russell Westbrook. I even had someone in the comments on yesterday's show say, Dan, your Lakers bias is keeping you from getting more viewers and how you talk about Russell Westbrook. I highly doubt that's the reason that people are tuning out my show is that I come on air and I say, I just can't do it. I was quite clear on yesterday's podcast that Russ might be better then I think he is. I said basically those words yesterday. So no one can accuse me of like not being forthright, but I watched him for the last couple of years, and anytime he's asked to do more than the bare minimum, he turns into a fantasy disaster. Turnovers, free throw, field goal. Can any of those things be held in check? If they can, he belongs on rosters. If they can't, he doesn't. He's widely rostered. So, watch list is probably not the right bucket for him. But, I mean, we're all going to find out soon. I'm just not willing to take that shot. I'm not willing to be the one to take the shot. Because if it doesn't work, he could absolutely obliterate your fantasy team. Let's go to the last page of this discussion. It's got an injury replacement. That's Daron Sharp. Because Nick Claxton was spotted in a walking boot this morning. So, he's probably out for a couple of ball games And... Maybe you can get something out of Sharp in Brooklyn. 
by Lowe's, DeAndre Ayton, who was in awful foul trouble and still managed to salvage a double-digit rebound for defensive stat game. I don't know where the hell that came from. Uh, DeJounte Murray is a buy low if people are freaking out about game one. He's a top 40 per game fantasy guy who's been generally healthy, uh, so he'll be much better than he was. Walker Kessler is a buy low. His minutes were low in the first ball game. That won't be the case every single night. Utah doesn't have that many choices at center unless they want to run real small, uh, but they're, I think, ultimately going to want a little bit of rim protection, and Kessler's the guy that can bring that. So if you can acquire these guys... For someone drafted, say, two rounds later. Because you want to try to make incremental gains in the trades you make. Don't throw out, like, Jalen Johnson for DeAndre Ayton because you're going to get laughed at and then no one's going to read your trade offers again. Look at someone... So, like, let's assume DeAndre Ayton was drafted near 50, 45-50 this year. Same story for Walker Kessler, actually. DeJounte Murray about a round earlier than that. Look at someone drafted, like, around 70 that had a really, really good first game, but you don't quite feel like that's something that's going to stick, that's the type of move you should be looking at, where you won't get laughed out of the room. Someone might legitimately say, you know what, I actually feel like I got these players backwards. And if you don't, that's how you can squeeze out a round or two of value in a trade. And you just do that constantly throughout the year, and you can turn 7th, 8th rounders overperforming into 3rd rounders over time. That's, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, my sell high, oh, you know what? There were two of these, I think. Maybe there was one more page. My sell highs were Harrison Barnes and Ivica Zubots. Huh, YouTubers can see my mouse clicking through these windows. I didn't realize that. Harrison Barnes, like, we know he's not going to average 33 points a game, and you're probably not going to be able to get much for him. But if you can get somebody that you believe is going to reliably be inside the top 100, that's your target. Same story for Ivica Zubots. He started last year blocking four shots a game for a week, and then over time, it came down and down and down and down and down because he is who he is, and people don't just magically change their fantasy stats at when they've been in the league for already half a decade. Zubots is a double-double guy with one and a little bit of change in blocks, but not what you saw in game one. Russell Westbrook probably does make him a little bit better, though having a, a point guard that can get it to a big man. So maybe there's a little bit of upside there. Uh, but certainly after game one, if you can throw Zubats out there for somebody who's like a 75 range dude, drafted near 75, I should say, not someone who's at 75 after three days of basketball, I think that's probably the move you make. And that is our week in review portion of the proceedings. But, friends, we are far from done. For it is now time to talk about the weekend upcoming. Those of you that had been with us for a long time, and I'll remind you everybody once again to please like, rate, subscribe, and find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Those of you that have been with us for a long time know that this is when you can throw questions in the chat room. And this is when we look at everybody playing their next game over the weekend and what we're looking for in those ball games. So this is the... How do we stay a quarter step ahead of everybody else in the fantasy space? Does that make any sense? I'll try to I'll try to uh, make a I'll try to make that a little bit more clear. Right now, in particular, more so than even later in the year, and I'll throw the uh, I'll throw the board up on the screen of the upcoming games tonight. The games planned on Friday night. That's where we'll start. Over the course of the year, if you're in a first-come, first-served fantasy league, you want to be the team that's getting news faster than everybody else. What I mean by that is, if you go into a game with a plan in mind, and that thing that you're looking for happens partway through the game, you can make your move. You don't have to wait till the whole ball game's done even, to make your move. So this keeps you 30, 40 minutes ahead of other teams in your fantasy league. And this is how we're going to really make an impact. So let's look at every team and their next game played, and these are the things we're going to be looking for in those ball games. We'll start at the top, and I did do sort of a truncated version of this over on social media as well. Um, let's go through it piece by piece. We'll start with the Denver Nuggets. KCP is kind of the one thing I'm looking for on that team right now. He had a really good first ball game, but what's the midpoint for him? Where do the averages settle? 
Uh, Xavier Tillman on the Grizzlies side is probably the only thing I'm really staring down. It would have been Luke Kennard, but he took a shot to the head, and he's out with uh, in concussion protocol right now. Um, so just Tillman for today. For the Pistons, I'd like to see if Isaiah Stewart can repeat it because I just told everybody to pick him up, and uh, I'd feel, boy, wouldn't I be red in the face if it turned out that uh, he couldn't do it consistently. Uh, the Hornets, that's the next one on the board there. Sorry, guys, I had to pivot around. Gordon Hayward watch list, so let's see what he does in Game 2. Uh, also kind of keeping an eye out for anything related to Miles Bridges. I know he's he's still serving some time off, uh, but he had all that extra stuff break right before the season started. I haven't heard anything about that impacting his season start date, but well, let's, let's just keep that in the back of our minds because anything we do with the Hornets right now has to be with the knowledge or with the assumption, at least for the moment, that Bridges is going to be back here in the not-too-distant future. And so someone like a Gordon Hayward or a Brandon Miller or, who, or even a P.J. Washington, these guys are all going to get pushed a little bit. For the Knicks, uh, we talked about Josh Hart being someone that I'm a little worried about being a drop. Uh, Quentin Grimes and Dante DiVincenzo being kind of the, the fallout of that situation. Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein. Minute split is the other one, but we did just talk about that as well. Um, Jalen Johnson on the Hawks. Can he... I don't expect him to put up a, a line like he did in the last ball game, but anything would be uh, super swell so that we, we can kind of really lock in what we already know to be true, which is that he has terrific upside. Um, I kind of want to know a little bit more about what Sadiq Bey is going to be this year because he's not going to get five steals a ball game. The assumption was that he was going to knock down a bunch of threes, and that actually wasn't a giant part of uh, his season opener. So is he a guy who's going to get 30 minutes? Is it going to be 27, 28? How many shots should we be looking for out of Bay? These are things that we can uh, pull into our data bank after two, three, four games going into the season. And then we can keep an eye on the Clint Capella, Onyeko, Kongwu splits, but I don't think that anything's really going to change there. So do we have to? For the Heat, Kevin Love, we already talked about that. Uh, Celtics, nothing. I don't have a single question about the Boston Celtics. How about them apples? <laughs> do you? I don't. Thunder. Um, I, w I would love to see a big Chet Holmgren game. I know he he's settling in. There's this game-by-game -game evolution thing for him. Um, not much else with OKC. Cavs, we're all watching Max Struess follow up. I want to throw Karis LeVert. Probably should have been on the watch list on our board earlier in this show. Um, he finished last year pretty strong. So... Is this something that we can expect to continue? Because he really settled into a more comfortable role as the year went on. Nine cats always going to be an issue for Levert, but is he going to have that big job off the bench? Are the Cavs going to play a little faster this year, get more shots up after being more of a slowdown team last season? For the Rockets, pretty much everything, because we got no information from get they got their butts waxed in game one. Uh, that's interesting, a butt waxing. I didn't think the show was going to turn that direction today. So uh, just watch all the stuff with the Rockets. You know, what does Freddie Van Vliet look like in that offense? What does Dylan Brooks look like in that offense? Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Green, Alperin Shangoon, any of the young guys coming off the bench. What is this team going to be, really? And today we should get a better idea because they're playing the Spurs. If that's a blowout loss, then the Rockets really have some trouble. Um, Spurs, can anybody on this damn team not be a percentages killer? Is my thought. Like, Sohan, percentages killer. Keldon's been one of those. If Trey Jones could get 30 minutes, I'd be a lot more confident in his stuff. And I know everybody's just watching Wemby, and I don't blame you. That should be fun. One of these games, he's going to just go nuts. And against the Rockets, might be the right time to do it because uh, Alperin Shengun ain't exactly known for his defense. For the Raptors, is Dennis Schroeder just a superstar now? I cannot believe that to be true. He's not a three-point shooter, but he had four of them in the first game. Uh, we know he's not a big steals guy, so I wouldn't expect that to be a thing that pops up. But, like, is he really going to be trying to score 20 points a ball game? If so, I dramatically undervalued Dennis Schroeder. But I do think he comes back to earth. But I have to admit, that first ball game has given me a little bit of pause. And then Gary Trent Jr., who we just talked about uh, a minute ago. I put, didn't put Schroeder on any of my lists in that first one. I probably should have put him on at least the watch list. Maybe a speculative ad list? I don't know. Sorry, Dennis. I should have put you on something. 
The Bulls apparently had a players-only meeting after their season-opening blowout loss at the hands of the Thunder. That's not a good sign, but let's see if it changes anything. And then Kobe White is the other uh, player who we just talked about as a watch list guy there. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, no Nick Claxton. We just talked about De'Aaron Sharp as a possible injury replacement. Ben Simmons, game two, do his minutes slowly creep up? Cam Johnson is on a minutes cap, so let's see what his minutes look like here in this one. Also apparently dealing with a calf contusion, I think I just read. Uh, Cam Johnson could actually potentially be a buy low if people are not aware of the minutes restriction. Derek Lively on the Mavs, you're watching. Grant Williams, we just talked about both of those two guys in the first segment of today's show, so I don't think we need to go over them again. Clippers, Russell Westbrook, efficiency stuff uh, is kind of the only... Well, you could put Rob Covington in there because he didn't start their first ball game. That was something. Not I wouldn't call it intriguing, but it wasn't It wasn't not intriguing. Woohoo! Utah, any shifts from game one? Because game one, you saw Larry Markin and do okay. You saw John Collins with a pretty good ball game. And... Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue that anybody else was all that great for Utah on Wednesday. Who am I missing? Because THT wasn't very good. Uh, I know they got blown out, so that didn't help. Clarkson, I guess, was okay, but his efficiency was better than usual. And, oh, Walker Kessler. Sorry, forgot about Walker Kessler. I got this, guys. Don't worry. I'm trying to do a lot of things on today's show. At some point, I'm going to miss a name. Um, the Magic. And nothing beyond just like the Cole Anthony Jalen Sugg stuff. Blazers, DeAndre Ayton bounce back. Malcolm Brogdon is probably the guy you're really watching close to see if he can sort of jump inside the cut line. For the Warriors, no Draymond still. I think they're hoping to have him back by their next ball game, which I believe is Sunday. And then we'll get a better idea of what Chris Paul's role is going to be when Draymond's around. That's the thing that I am very interested in. Andrew Wiggins, we already talked about. And then the Kings, pretty much nothing. You know, I know Harrison Barnes had a big game and... Keegan Murray likely to take some kind of step forward this year, but, you know, beyond that, there really isn't a whole lot that uh, that I think we need to parse for Sacramento. Uh, let's now, let's see here. Can we move along to Saturday's board and see if there's any teams that we didn't quite cover yet? Uh, let's see. The Knicks we've talked about. The Pelicans. Uh, Herb Jones is sort of a watch guy. I think, again, more of a steals dude, but probably can get himself into that 100 range discussion. Not much there beyond that. Oh, Jonas Valanciunas, I do want to know what his role is going forward. He played more minutes than I expected in the season opener. Pistons, we talked about. Bulls, we talked about. Uh, Grizzlies, Wizards play on Saturday. Um, Gafford is a guy you're watching there. Not a whole lot else. I'm not a big Denny Avdia guy from a fantasy standpoint. Indy. Uh, playing on Saturday, but not tonight. Obi Toppin is the guy you're keeping tabs on there. A little bit of Buddy Heald watch list kind of stuff. Cleveland we talked about. Or did we? Yeah, we talked about Cleveland. Philly, they go Saturday. Um, we just talked about them finishing up yesterday, so Kelly Oubre is kind of the, the guy you're paying attention to there. Toronto, we just talked about Dennis Schroeder, uh, Jakob Pertl, Gary Trent Jr. Miami, I mean, they're going to need somebody to help. Someone's got to step up. Was right a three-horse race for or three-horse team for Miami is just not going to get it done. Minnesota, uh, nothing really. You know, nothing huge there. I think we know who belongs on rosters. And then uh, Phoenix plays on Saturday. You're watching to see if anybody comes back. It sounds like Booker's going to miss a couple of ball games. Maybe Beal comes back. I don't know. We're not going to get a good data point on that team until they're all three healthy together. And then Sunday, uh, I don't know that anybody plays Sunday that doesn't go Friday or Saturday. Milwaukee? I guess it's Milwaukee. But I don't have any questions about them either. I don't think that anybody on that team is going to have fantasy value beyond the sort of core four. And if somebody does, it would be Bobby Portis. But I I don't. Well, whatever. You can, I mean, we could pay attention to Portis if you want in Milwaukee, if you think someone like Beasley is worth paying attention to. I don't. Oh, the Lakers don't go Friday, Saturday. They're also uh, on that list of teams, and we're, there's not a whole lot left to, to look at there beyond the Christian Wood stuff we talked about earlier. All right, we got through the core stuff of the show in 49 minutes, just like yesterday. So we're doing 11 minutes of chat room. 
We'll see if I can get through all of the questions lightning round style after I take a sip of water. Here we go. Rock says, would offering either Jalen Williams or Terry Rozier for DeJounte be too insulting? Uh, no, I actually think there's a chance that Jalen Williams is better than DeJounte this year. Terry Rozier would be someone you'd probably want to pair up with another, like, 80-range guy who did well. Maybe you can get a two-for-one going there. Delante says, Denny or DeLon tomorrow? Points league. Oh, that's a different beast. You probably go Avdia in a points league because his issues are points league non-issues. Amir says, how do you recommend managing my games cap in Roto? I would say, right now, play the guys that you are very comfortable uh, calling top 90 or better. If you're not sure, keep them on your bench. First one to two weeks of the season. You'll fall five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games behind, but you also won't blow any games on a bad one. Paul Newell likes the opening music. I do too, Paulie. Wayne says, hey, Dan, should I start Jalen Johnson or Wendell Carter Jr. tonight? I'd probably go Wendell Carter. Um, I know Jalen's got the better upside, but I kind of need to see him do it a few times in a row to really believe that this is a thing that's going to stick nightly. But I still think he belongs on rosters because of that sort of infinite potential. Pauly says, just on potential alone, who are the best of these pickups? Derek Lively, Delon Wright, Xavier Tillman, Max Struess. I like them all. Um... Struce probably is my favorite of the four. Then I'd go Delon, Lively, and uh, Tillman at the bottom. I think I just think Xavier Tillman tapers off when they're not playing gigantic opponents. And for Memphis, they're playing gigantic opponents to start the year. Now, I might be wrong about those last two. You might flip Tillman and Lively and just take the safer play. Uh, but I think at some point here, Memphis is going to play a team that's more of a floor-stretchy three-point shooting club. And at that point, Tillman... You're going to see them run smaller. Santi Aldama presumably will be healthier. They can run JJJ at the five in those games. And right now, they just don't want to use those guys at the five, or they're hurt. Um, so that's the way I lean the way I do. But again, you could you could flip-flop those last ones, and I, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. Is Gordon Hayward a solid add for a nine-cat league? Not yet. Not yet. I need to see this a few more times. Should I drop, this is Wayne, should I drop Kobe White or Dennis Schroeder for DeLon Wright? Need assists and steals help. Well, Kobe's not going to get you, well, actually, neither of those guys is going to get you many steals. Uh, Schroeder's probably going to get you more assists than either DeLon or Kobe White. But uh, DeLon is in a category all by himself on steals here. Uh, so I would probably go Schroeder and DeLon based on the categories you need. Uh, if you tipped needing more three-pointers or scoring, then you'd, relinquish DeLon Wright and go back to Kobe White. Wright versus White. Mason says, if Jaden McDaniels is my worst player, should I drop him for a streaming spot? Probably. Not that I don't like Jaden McDaniels, but I feel like in head-to-head -head, you almost always want a streaming spot. Um, and it feels like either your team is unbelievably loaded or this is a league where, you know, if that's the worst player, then guys like him are probably going to be on the waiver wire. So your streaming spot doesn't end up being that much of a value switch. Jonathan says, should I drop Sohan quickly or Jalen Johnson for DeLon Wright? I'm punting points and threes. Mm, it's probably quickly then, based on what you're punting. Uh, but for non-punting, Sohan is my drop. I just don't believe that his percentages are getting any better this year. Adrian says, thoughts of having older players on your roster? I don't mind. You guys know me. Um, the, but we need to be able to separate the idea of old and durable. Some of these old guys play every damn game. Like, Vooch is an older dude who plays every day. Damar is an older dude who's been extremely resilient. And then there's older guys who don't. So, I don't think we can all just lump them in together. You want... If you have a bunch of old guys that are hurt, and I, some of these guys aren't even 34+, plus, but um, just hurt guys and old guys, I think we need to try to separate the buckets that obviously in a Venn diagram there's plenty of overlap in the middle between hurt and old but it's not you know two concentric circles basically Jonathan says Horford got dropped in my league should I drop Looney quickly Jalen Johnson or Sohan for him ah none of them Looney Horford what difference does it make Tony says does Nemhard gain any real value at some point this season not unless Tyrese Halliburton gets hurt Ben Smith 
Azer was dropped for some reason in my league. I'm putting in a claim and dropping Struess. Not sure I'll land him as I've got eighth priority, but I'm a sucker for upside. I don't think I would drop Struess, actually. I, I think I'd actually like him more than Azer, at least between now and February. And that's two-thirds of the season. Gene says, how do you navigate potentially dropping a hold guy for an ad guy? What makes an ad guy a higher priority than a hold guy? Uh, doesn't really. Sorry, Gene. I know my lists are sort of hard to interpret to some degree. Uh, guys I put in the ad department were guys that I felt were not heavily drafted to start the year, and guys I put in the hold department were guys that I thought were generally drafted to start the year, but I like them both. And so then you're kind of making choices based on either upside or fit on your team. But all of those guys, in my eye, belong on rosters at roughly similar uh, priority. Should I drop Kevon Looney for Derek Lively? Yes. Should I trade? Sorry, that was Baby Stay Flow. I want to give name credit to these questions. Justin says, should I trade Siakam for Cade? Points League. Sure, why not? They're probably going to be close. Go, uh, go, uh, mm, mm. I don't know. Actually, the answer is I don't know. I don't know. I think they're going to be close. Nick Claxton or DeAndre Ayton? Um, you know, there's a little bit of a what does your team need thing going on here. If you're going strict nine cat rankings, Claxton probably finishes the season higher but if you prefer free throws and rebounds over defensive stats, then Aiton makes more sense for your team. Hey, Dan, from uh, Chu Chuo. I probably butchered that. Who do you prefer, DeJounte Murray or Larry Markkinen? Uh, I'll go Markkinen. Buy a nose. Baby again says, uh, should I drop Looney for Lively or... Jalen Johnson. Uh, okay, I think I go Jalen over Lively over Looney. BSLTC, I don't know. Is Colin Sexton a drop for Max Struess? Yes. Zoe, is Jalen Johnson now a start in Games Cap Roto or wait and see? I'm going to wait and see a little bit. Jason said, Paul George and Reeves or Poole and Vassell? Give me the Paul George side. Marco says, thoughts on Markel Fultz? I think he's like a top 85 range guy this year. Um, I know some folks are higher than that. I just think that his lack of threes and the fact that his free throw percent is not that helpful is going to cover up some of the stuff he does well, which is steals, and he boards pretty well, and his field goal percent is okay because he doesn't shoot threes for a guard. So he's sort of like a, a little bit of an off-kilter stats guard other than the steals. But I do think that that caps him a little bit, because I also don't think he's going to score all that much. So I like him. You know, 80 to 100 range kind of guy. Um, definitely belongs on fantasy teams, but, you know, not a, not a superstar. Nicholas says, I'm getting worried about Onyeko Okongwu. Would a Roto specialist like you drop him already for Jalen Duran in an 8-teamer? Yeah, I'd rather have Duran than Okongwu in an 8-teamer. Both of those guys should be on rosters in a 12-teamer, though. Conkey says, Pirtle or Tillman tonight? So here's the dilemma there, and a DFSer would have a better feeling on it. Tillman is going to play because Jokic is on the other side, but is he just going to get dominated? So I think I'd probably go Pirtle, even though I think Tillman gets playing time. I just think he's going to get smashed. Bodwin says, I'm in a super shallow league, eight teams. Any particular free agent tips in that situation? Should I drop guys sooner or should I be cautious? Uh, you can flip guys all over the place because in an eight-teamer, the whole waiver wire is going to be filled with great basketball players. So the real thing is in an eight-teamer, number one, make your benches deeper and start more than 10 guys. So it plays more like a 10 or a 12-teamer. Number two, if you don't do that, package guys to try to get first and second round values. That's the only way to operate. So take your fourth rounder and your fifth rounder and put them together and try to get a second rounder. Take your third rounder and your fourth rounder together, put them together, try to get a first rounder. Because the waiver wire is going to be so thick with options all year long that your job is to amass first and second round talent. That's the way you beat other people. Because otherwise, everybody's just really, really good. I'm running out of time here. I'm doing my best. Chris says, should I trade my Darius Garland for Desmond Bain in a 10-teamer? Yes, I like Bain more, unless you need the extra assists. But overall, I like Bain more than Garland. Dynasty, should I drop Pokashevsky for Okogi or Goodwin? If you're in win-now mode, you probably want Okogi, but 
dynasty, you might as well just stick with Poku if you've been there this long and hope that maybe he gets moved or something. But I don't know that any of those guys is going to be a big needle mover in dynasty this year. It's just that Okogi at least is doing something right now. Baby says, should I drop Looney? Oh, it's that same question again. I'm sorry, guys. David, love you, Dan, but you need to talk about Roto more. All I do is talk about Roto. Almost everything I talk about is 9-cat Roto. I'm the only analyst talking about Roto. David, who talks about Roto more than me? I've spent the last five years getting yelled at for not talking about head-to-head enough. <laughs> oh, man, I'm hurting right now. Uh, question for Roto. Who to bench today? Keegan Murray, Clay Thompson, Xavier Tillman, or Ben Simmons? I think it's uh, probably Simmons. Nil says, how afraid are you of Porzingis being injured? I mean, generally kind of afraid because he always gets hurt at some point. I think he goes for 65 games, though, this year, which would, where he's getting drafted in the 40s, absolutely obliterate his ADP. He'll be a value. Rawlings says, nine cat head-to-head. Who between Herb Jones and Isaiah Stewart are you hanging on to? Ooh. <sighs> Stewart. I'm going to regret that. Herb Jones is safer. Stewart's where you're like, oh, maybe he get into the top 80 range if things break right. Herb probably can't get quite that high. Uh, that's not accurate. Damn, that's a tough one. Screw it, I'll go Herb Jones. No. Give me the unknown. Give me the mystery box. We'll go as Isaiah Stewart, but I don't know that this is going to make a huge difference for your team. Jason says, should I drop a Kongwu for Jabari Smith Jr.? No. Lester says, who do you prefer in Roto, Melton or Bruce Brown? Hmm. Give me Melton, but not by much. I like Bruce Brown, too. Jose says, should I trade my Booker for Ingram and Fox? That's pretty fair, actually. That's a fair trade. So the should question is going to depend on who you have to drop. Nils asks, Porzingis plus Brooke Lopez. No, Porzingis for Brooke Lopez and Jeremy Grant. No, it's Porzingis side. That one's not close. Nicola says, should I drop Okongwu for Jabari Smith? Wait, wasn't that one up above? Are you guys using burner accounts? Uh, no, keep Okongwu. Bodwin says you didn't butcher my name that bad. Hey, good for me. How do, Can you give me a pronunciation guide? I'm a play-by-play broadcaster, so that's actually big for me. Bodwin? I'm not going to try the last name. Kirkweek? Jason, Bane for Cade. Uh, give me Bane. Chris says... Dan, love you. Appreciate you doing this, brother. That's why I keep listening. Oh, thanks, man. That's nice. And AK says, here's my roster. Would you pick up Derek Lively? Let me see if I can spot the lowest ranked. <laughs> the, th- the third name on your roster, AK, just says annoy. <laughs> Who's annoy? Which player annoys you, AK? That's uh, that's actually really hilarious. Um, There's too many Johnsons, so I don't know which one you're talking about there. Robert Williams, the third, Terry Rozier, Derek White, Topic, and Gobert. I'm sorry, dude. You got all kinds of words in here that aren't actually players. You're, you're killing me. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I like Derek Lively. Uh, probably not. Oh, oh, Keldon Johnson. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Derek Lively than Keldon Johnson. But understand that they might both be outside. And you might see games from Keldon where he goes for like 25 points and nine rebounds and you feel bad about it, but then look over and see that he shot like three for 19 and went four for seven at the free throw line. And then you'll feel better. Last question, because we're over an hour. Who would you drop for a streaming spot? Bo asks, Sadiq Bay, Kobe White, or Jalen Johnson? Probably White. I just think that even in a great scenario, his upside is capped. The only way that this one would come back to bite us is if the Bulls early in the season trade uh, DeMar or Levine, because then Kobe gets enough usage where he can blast past these other guys. Uh, so if that's something you're worried about, then you drop Sadiq Bay because his upside is like kind of 80, 90, 95 range kind of thing. He's probably not getting beyond that. But uh, White it would be outside, I believe, outside the top 100 when that team's fully healthy right now. So that's kind of the calculus you're sitting on there. And I'll slip in one super fast one. Matt says, Okongwu or Jalen T? Who's Jalen T? Who am I forgetting here? I'm assuming it's Jalen Johnson, not Jalen Williams, not Jalen Smith. 
It's a lot of Jalen's. If that's Jalen Johnson or Okongwu, I probably go Okongwu. And that is where we'll pull the plug on the Q&A part. This is the weekend review and the weekend in advance here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am beyond thrilled at how many people are hanging out with us these shows. The live count is through the roof. Last year, I don't think we could get past 50 or 60 mote days, and we're double that. So this is awesome. I hope we can keep this going or maybe even grow it as the season goes along. And the way we do that is with your help. So please like, rate, subscribe, however you're taking in the show. Hang out with us whenever we hang out. Probably won't have a show over the weekend um, now that we're into the regular season because Monday we'll probably have a couple of shows. We'll have the uh, reverse chronological lightning round episode where we go through uh, the weekend in review, see if any of the stuff we were watching for actually took shape. And then we'll also have the weekly preview with Derek Ball um, again. So probably two shows on Monday, meaning Dano gets to rest the old voice over the weekend. Have a great one, everybody. I'm pooped. See you soon. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.